This podcast is sponsored by Xgrowth. Xgrowth is the APAC ABM agency. If you and your organization are looking to land and expand enterprise mid-market deals, Xgrowth is the agency to help. Xgrowth works with a wide range of international and global technology vendors, service providers, and B2B SaaS companies. If this sounds like some of your interests to know more about, make sure to check out Xgrowth at xgrowth.com.au. That's xgrowth.com.au and chat with the APAC ABM agency. What's up, marketers, and welcome to another episode of the Growth Colony Podcast. I'm Liza from Xgrowth to tell you that each episode we bring in B2B leaders to chat about how you can achieve those everyday wins in the marketing world. Whether you're new to the B2B game, working at a leadership level, or even just showing some interest, we know you'll love the episode. So grab a drink, get comfy, and enjoy the show. Hello, everyone. Welcome to another episode. I'm Shaheen Hoda with Xgrowth, and today I'm talking to Imogen Broomhead, Director, Executive Briefing Program for Asia Pacific and Japan at ServiceNow. And we're talking about why you should build an Executive Briefing Center strategy or EBC strategy, especially in the APJ region if you're targeting C-suite in the enterprise space. The EBC model is quite common for especially tech companies to have them in the regions like North America, basically HQ. But we're going to be talking about why is it important to think about an EBC strategy for the APJ, the APAC and the ANZ market. So on that note, let's dive in. Imogen, thanks a lot for joining us. Thank you for having me. It's really great to be here today. Absolute, absolute pleasure. Absolute pleasure. So first of all, let's I want us to define EBC, right? Or at least I would like to, to, to know what is your definition of, of an executive briefing center? Can you, can you kind of take us through that? Sure. I sure can. And you did a great intro, by the way. So I think you've done, you, you've, you've hinted to the great program that we run, which is essentially, uh, it's, a, it's a format. It's a, it's a high touch high value briefing where we run a highly curated customized session in conjunction with our sales team and our executive customers to align on ultimately their technology objectives and their digital transformation objectives. And we work hard to identify what is the customer trying to solve and we bring them in to a briefing within our ABC, within the centres to go deep on those digital transformation goals. And essentially, the center or the, the, the EBC itself can be located anywhere. You can run an EBC from anywhere, and I'm sure we'll get into that in this later on. However, the EBC itself is dedicated to generating a series of actions for um, the account team and the sales organization to progress that account and to engage at an executive level with that customer. So... We have a, a C-level, you know, it's a C-level engagement essentially and we want to broker trust and build confidence and essentially we want to ultimately educate our customers on, on our technology and the EBC is the perfect vehicle to do that. And I'll, I'll, I'll definitely want to, want to kind of touch on where does it come in, but how do you, how do you kind of take advantage of it? I mean, you, you talked about kind of moving deals 
forward. Can you elaborate a little bit more on like how 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 you and the team take advantage of VBC at ServiceNow? Yeah, I sure can. So essentially, the sales organization would need to position an executive briefing to the customer at the appropriate time. And by appropriate timing, we mean, is this account ready for this level of briefing at an executive level? So, you know, we look at account readiness. Is the customer really ready and ambitious in their digital transformation goals and partnering with ServiceNow? Is there a recent reorganisation where we need to educate that new C-level on the technology? Has the account, you know, in really ready to go deep on potentially some uh, value realisation or ROI? Are we ready to uh, talk, introduce new product lines? Are we also ready to, is the account at risk? Have we lost some, some favour with our C-level and do we need to re-engage with them? And essentially... At ServiceNow, the EBC is actually mapped as part of the account plan. So you would you would call out at, at the beginning of the year in your QBR, I plan to do two EBCs with this account across the year. As particularly, we, we insist, and it is mandated, thankfully, through our, our sales leadership, that an EBC really needs to be happening if you have a renewal and also if, you know, new, uh, new business, new large opportunities. So the EBC is really around whereabouts are you in your sales stage and is the EBC, is it opportune now for us to engage with that C-level to move that deal along? And that's where my team would get involved and take the request and start working with sales to drive the dream EBC, essentially. Are there situations where sales would bring something in and you would have to look at it and be like, no, you're not getting an EBC for that? great question that that actually happened just this week and we do need to be quite strict on our uh, on our criteria because uh, of the high touch reso- the resourcing one we need to really prioritize on strategic accounts and opportunities however the we also need to be rigorous around who what why so is this a C-level? Oh, we really strict on the C-level engagement. We want to be meeting with the influencers. We want to be meeting with decision makers. We don't want to get down into the weeds. We don't want to talk commercials. This, this is not the setting for that. And so we take a lot of, we are pretty rigorous around the EBC request. And if it smells like a, if it smells like discovery opportunity, if it smells like a, uh, uh, that we're going in cold, we absolutely reject that EBC request. And we say, come back when you're ready to really outline some strategic digital transformation goals with this account, not quickly sell something. That's a bit of a no-no for That's a major no-no for us. And, and it sounds like, I mean, you talked about renewals or a new opportunity within an account. It, it sounds like it's really for organizations that there is a relationship already existing with ServiceNow and is it is is that the case or do you find that there are a lot of net new or net new is really rarely happens that hey we we've never had a relationship with this account they're maybe interested and we kind of bring them in is that is that like a kind of red flag for you it's it's not a red flag it's just we'd want some solid due diligence around the yeah where we're at in that customer journey uh, i.e. if it's a prospect are, are we really elevating to the c-suite is a is a c-level going to take a meeting with us and have an executive briefing or there should have been a, a lot of sales work and discovery meetings and and sales account planning and regular cadence that would have happened 
prior to the EBC coming to us. So that's not to say that we wouldn't have a new logo. We welcome new logos. In fact, we, we're gold on having new logos. But what we want to make sure is that by the time that that sea level is going to spend half a day with us, that they're really, that it's very well understood what it is that, that we're going to do in that with their sea level's time. And that has to be really strategically mapped and very considered for it to be effective. So we, we don't want prospects in the room who, who are not decision makers, but also who aren't ready to perhaps make a buying decision. Imagine why an EBC program in APAC? I mean, usually, like we talked about at the beginning, that's a, usually a North American play. Or, or a HQ play, I mean, whether, whether, wherever the HQ is. And most cases, there are definitely some large tech companies that, that might be HQ Australia or, or, or APJ, but most of the times it's North America or, or, um, or EMEA. Why the reason to have an EBC program in APJ? Such a good question, and you're so right that it, it is a very favoured engagement that many customers will in, enjoy doing. They, they enjoy that Silicon Valley tour. However, the program that uh, originated for APAC, it started in Australia and there was an identified need to on, build ongoing partnerships with our sea levels in this region. There was a significant amount of opportunities. It, it was a more mature market and that's something I would say large, you know, we're a large SaaS enterprise organisation. So it isn't something that would be common for a smaller scaling organization you want a mature install base you want to start seeing that the customers making ongoing buying decisions or the renewals as we talked about earlier so australia was a, was where the program was born and in over in the last five years we've expand expanded from australia to singapore to tokyo and and now hyderabad and what I can tell you is that we deliver approximately 170 briefings or EBCs just in our region per year, and only 15% of those will go to Silicon Valley. So what that tells us is that, and I won't give you dollar numbers, but I can tell you that the pipeline and net new that we are influencing and driving through this program is very significant. So we know that the, the data tells us that these kinds of custom that the customers want this kind of engagement from us locally. They want, sealer, they want strategic partnering. They want to hear from us. They want us to make commitment to them in an ongoing basis to continue our strategic partnership and deepen that. And we also know some, there's many customers that can't travel for obvious reasons and that particularly now, more than ever, there's very stringent travel budget cuts. So we do, you, you, you should be thinking about a program locally for this very reason, that customers want to have executive level engagement right here on home turf. Interesting. And, and you, you, you said 15%. So you're saying that out of that 170, is, I just want to make sure I understand what you mean by that 15%. Usually only 15% of them go, go to the US for, for an ABC or out of that 170, uh, it is 15% of them who go through an EBC in APAC and then go 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 also go to an EBC in the US. Oh, sorry. Yes. Yeah. So of the 107 of the 170, 15% of that visited Silicon Valley for an EBC in the US. Right. There are, right. So, so we we are hosting here in region the a large the majority proportion are hosted here in region. We that's crazy. Yeah, that's crazy it is. It is. It is really 
significant and we are seeing the appetite for the U.S. Our program is growing, our numbers are growing, and the appetite for the U.S. is is growing incrementally, but we are busier than ever right here in APAC. Very interesting. Okay. We've touched on this a little bit. We, we talked about, and, and, and I'd, I'd be curious if you can share any more information on it in terms of where does EBC sit in a buyer's journey? Is it at the very, very end? Is it kind of in the middle? How do you how do you assess that, and where where do you insert an EBC for a program, and and how long in, in advance? It sounds like is there's a few months of of uh, heads up, and maybe even more than that that you kind of need to uh, put put something together or book someone someone in. How does that look like? Yes, yeah, great question. So. We're, we typically recommend that you'd consider an executive briefing around sales forecast stage four upwards, five, even, you know, five plus, because you're looking for that power sponsorship. The sales team's done all the hard work in, in the months leading up to looking at progressing to closure. And really, you're looking for executive buy-in at this point. This is before. And then what you want from an EBC is clear, tangible actions, i.e., we're ready to progress this over up to the CFO. We're ready to move this along in procurement, and where we are agree, we're in agreement that this you are the right technology partner for us. So that those kinds of conversations aren't happening in early sales stages purely because, as you've just called out, the sales team need to be doing their their hard work to get customers engaged and and, and get them to open opportunities and move them along to stage four, which takes months of work. And my great friends over in marketing who have done all the work to get them to get the leads and move it, move it along the buyer's journey. By the time you're coming in to our offices and spending time with us, yeah, you're really close to an imminent buying decision. And that's where the magic happens. So the, um, and from our point of view, where our team are influencing is, yeah, four to six weeks, we need to take that EBC request and work. We partner with the sales team very closely. We try and under, we we work hard to understand the objectives. We engage the core stakeholders that can influence the com, influence and compel the customer based on their objectives. So, and that is usually always done by our own executive talent pool and our executive subject matter experts because we're looking to align executive messaging and align exec executive support. And then also we like to gain exec sponsorship, so to make sure that that briefing is successful. So yes, it can take it takes weeks, and you know it's very hard to get in executives' diaries. So we try and get the, the customer executive buy-in as soon as possible, and we need them engaged, and we want them to have skin in the game. And we actually meet with the customer prior to the sessions because we want to make sure that the agenda and the content absolutely aligns to their expectations. Always customer and it sounds like you, you also bring in executive inve- engagement from ServiceNow's perspective as well. So oh, people yeah. who might have not previously been part of the program and their executives at at the comp- at ServiceNow would be engaged in the in the EBC process as well. Is that right? Yes, absolutely. And that takes a lot of work to align align the stars, prep preparation, preparation, and more preparation. There's, it's high stakes, so and they're also very visible. So we have a lot of uh, inspection from our senior sales leadership on uh, quality of messaging. The dream agenda must really 
it really must resonate and it must land well. Otherwise, it, it could fail. The deal could fall, could be really compromised. So it must be perfectly well, it must be perfectly prepared. So there's a lot of pressure at times on our team to make sure that we pull it all together well. Interesting. Imagine, I, th- I would imagine a lot of people who are listening to this are like, EBC program, are you kidding me? That that costs a lot of money. It costs yes. a lot of resources to put together. And that's definitely like, we can't do that for, for the APAC region. Is that true? What, what, what's, um, what would, what should be people's expectation in terms of resource and cost perspective for setting up an EBC program? Yes, it's a really valid question because that is something I'll often get asked when I'm, you know, in, in my attending networking uh, opportunities. And essentially, it is, it isn't, it is very cost effective because it's what you need to get started is human capital and you need a self starter and you need, you need an ambitious individual. It just started, I started the program actually on my own here in APAC. And build it and they will come. So we needed a home base. So you, real estate is ideal. When I say real estate, yes, you, you, you consider Microsoft technology centers and the Salesforce innovation centers. They are um, incredible in terms of their potentially, you know, uh, their the memorable touch points and, and their branding. However, that can evolve as you scale. You, when you're first starting out, you just need a, you need human, a human resource and you need a boardroom. And that is all it takes, truly. And I've delivered EBCs at customer offices. We can go to them. But we do like to bring them in to spend time with us in our innovation centres at ServiceNow. Now, when I first started, the innovation centres had not been built. We operated out of a boardroom in our Sydney office. And the first quarter, I did three. And then the second quarter, I did five. And then by the end of the year, I'd done 18. And then it, we evolved over time and then we hired more team members in the second year and we started the program in Asia in the in the third year and in Japan in the, in the third year. And similarly, again, we just needed really talented people who could understand working closely with the sales organisation as our internal customer and also preparing essentially a, a, a memorable EBC. So, yes, you, what, could, what does great look like? You could have a, a thriving centre program across APAC or a thriving, you know, innovation centres with multi, multi, you know, innovation rooms and touch screens and installations. That that can be a goal. It's an ambitious goal, but really, to start, you don't need to, you don't need to be thinking in those terms. You just need to hire hire a good talent and call me. I can, I'll, I'll tell you how to do it. It's, it's actually, it's so simple and the ROI is huge seriously we see so much the value is incredible it's actually a no-brainer when i talk to people and they tend to agree it is a no-brainer in terms we'll of definitely put your linkedin uh linkedin yeah, profile please. in it's the uh, in the in the description of the of the um so that if anyone is interested can reach out but on that note of uh, resources what do you think are the critical let's say top three skills that you would need now, me as an individual or me as, hey, in my team, what are the top three skills that need to be there to set up this, this EBC program? Yes. So when we recruit talent to drive our, our in-country programs, we are often seeking 
you know, enterprise enterprise marketing background or field marketing background is ideal. However, strong stakeholder management, because this is really about orchestrating and coordination of a high stakes high stakes event essentially so you want to see strong stakeholder management highly high level of organization and a strong aptitude for driving SaaS priorities and you can learn those aptitude and attitude you know you can learn the fundamentals of the technology platform but what you need to do is have the confidence to position the technology to the customer and understand the customer's objectives, understand the sales objectives and pull those together. So when we look at skills, you need to have a strong aptitude for for driving valuable conversations and aligning people to the right message. So that takes yeah, orchestration, coordination, aptitude, attitude. And and stakeholder the rest, management, yeah. Stakeholder management and, and the rest you can we can learn, you know, we we can train everything else, and they are, once you find that right person, I've been so blessed in my team. We have we see such so so much success from our executive briefings purely just from having a strong person who can drive a successful agenda. I love it. I love it. Okay, Imogen, we've talked about a lot of things. We've talked about the the reason for it, advantages, cost, skills, is so many things. Why an APAC? I want to ask you a couple of rapid fire questions, but before I get there, is there anything that maybe you think we should cover that I haven't asked or we didn't, we haven't covered yet with regards to ABCs? Look, I think I just, what I'd love your listeners to come away with is just really understanding the value that this kind of engagement can, how it can accelerate both deal you know the the deal closure for your for your organization and drive sales and revenue growth but essentially your customer based the the direct line of contact and the direct access that you will get to the c suite through this program it, it it is so incredible what what it can achieve in terms of cxo access branding and and large enterprise collaboration that is and, and and as we talked about, it's as in such a cost effective way. It really is a, important that people consider this in their in their way that they're marketing to their customers because it will go a long way in driving that ROI and value for your organization, but also you'll see deal size and deal growth out of a session and it bears fruit that you can qualify. So I'd always encourage anyone to be thinking about an EVC program. It it, the, the results are there and yeah that's all I'd like everyone to consider love it I love it have you read the state of ABM and APAC report yet? if you have you'll know that 59% of marketing leaders are intending to increase their ABM investment in the coming year even bigger news is 0% of survey respondents are going to decrease their investment it's an exciting time for ABM in the region Discover the state of account-based marketing in APAC today. Download the full report at abm.xgrowth.com.au forward slash report. That's abm.xgrowth.com.au forward slash report. Let's do some rapid fire questions, shall we? Oh gosh, okay. Let's do it. <laughs> <laughs> Let's do it. Okay, first one. First question. What is one resource? This could be a book, a blog, a podcast, a talk, whatever it is, 
that has had a fundamental impact on the way you work or you live? What what comes to mind? Oh, so uh, I always make a commitment when I'm on holidays with my family to read one book. It's that I've no time, unfortunately, as much as I'd like to to read. And I, on my last holiday, I read a really compelling, amazing book. It's called When Breath Becomes Air by Paul Calanth. And it's not light reading, but he shares his story as a practitioner, as a neurosurgeon who actually goes on to become a patient who himself developed a, a life terminal brain tumour. And he essentially takes us on a journey as the clinician that faced his own mortality and how that affected him as he reflects on himself as a doctor, but then as he, then he, as he goes on to embark as a patient and how he receives treatment and, and how he endures as a patient himself. And it isn't, it is, it isn't a happiest of endings, but I just feel it's so, such a good reminder that, you know, we, we must see that contrast between the service that we we give others and then when the the recipient of that that incredible service and as a neuroscientist you know how how he takes us on that journey is quite beautiful and i think important that we all take stock and remember that working in technology it's high stakes sometimes but we're not performing brain surgery are we it's a, so we should always be kind to others and and lead with empathy and i love that message I, I was having this conversation with someone on our team yesterday that, uh, hey, look, we're not, we're not, uh, yeah, we're not doing brain surgery here. And if it's, if it's something goes wrong, it's fine. Uh, no, no one's, no one's going to die. So Seriously. The stakes are not that high. And, uh, but sometimes it's hard. It's something we're in it. We're, you know, in the weeds and it's just hard to see that. And, and the smallest misstep feels like it's all going to crash and burn and, it's the end of the world. So it's such an important message. Seriously, right? Absolutely. Question, I couldn't agree more. question two. Let me, let me ask you the first, second question is, if you could give one advice to B2B marketers, mm. what would it be? Yeah, this is such a good question. And in my line of work, I really stand by uh, my answer. Customer first. What, does, what do customers care about? You know, start there and then work backwards. We tend to personalize our own position or our own objectives, say around products or you know that what do we want what do we want them to buy what where we've seen success is you invert that thinking you know what do they care about what is the customer trying to solve and that's what we should be answering, not positioning a product to solve it for them that's yeah, what I've learned to be true great advice great advice question three. Who are some of the influencers that you follow? It doesn't have to be from marketing, but if they're from marketing, great. But they don't have to be from marketing. I was like, oh, fa- are we talking fashion? Because I, um, you know. <laughs> Let's do like, fashion. Let's do <laughs> no, it. <laughs> no, it, 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 too much scrolling on Instagram, I think, is where I get lost in, in fashion. Uh, look, I, I tend to be, uh, when it comes to the the space that we work in i i tend to think the innovator you know i follow the innovators and the geeks out there you know who are the people building the platforms and dry and literally developing ux and and ai and machine learning to create the future of work like we are living it right now what is the future of work and it is got you know, and Chat GPT as an example. I'm, I'm being exposed to this even through my kids' schooling, schoolwork. You know, like this is happening right before our eyes, and it 
it is is overwhelming. I'm particularly someone like me who is, whilst I work in technology, I'm not particularly the most savvy when it comes to UX and hardcore coding, but I am compelled. And our chief innovation officer, Dave Wright, he does a, a segment called Innovation Done Right. That's a pun, on a little play on words on his last name. And he is at the, you know, they're working at the cutting edge of the future of work. They are there evolving what and and tell and and exposed exposing us to what is going the future what does the future of work look like and i i'm excited but i'm also sometimes i'm nervous as well about what it can look like and yeah so i think that does that answer the question i sort of went down a rabbit hole it does it does i i I think i think uh, i'm gonna be uh looking up this this newsletter and uh and, and signing up to it but uh I would imagine if there's internal presentations or anything, it would be really cool at ServiceNow and, and probably everyone's mesmerized when uh, when they talk about the future of work. So uh, I'm sure those uh, those would be pretty amazing. Oh, mind-blowing, Shaheen. <laughs> for us tech, for us tech heads. I know. I, and, and I can, I can yeah, I, we all kind of geek out on that stuff. So I, <laughs> I can totally understand. Last question. What okay. is something that excites you about what you're doing, the EBC space, the, the B2B marketing space? What, what, what comes to mind? Oh, great question. I, I think, look, everything is changing in, in SaaS, I, I observe. The way uh, you know, SaaS businesses are viewed and, and the, way that, that, the, the way that we are you know, selling our, our products means that we need to be customer first, customer centric in everything that we do. And because of this, this change we've observed in, in the changing landscape of SaaS, it means that everything that we're doing in the EDC is value driven. Show me value from what I own. You know, customers are no longer able to invest in large tech projects as they were. So we've got a really unique opportunity to deeply understand what is the customer's value driver and how can we support them. We just must, must be in the service of the customer if you're going to be successful, if you're going to be competitive and if you're going to thrive and grow in this space. So we are at the coalface with that. We are hearing what customers are directly we are hearing direct custom feedback from C-level customers on this point and more than ever do we need to show them value and be value driven in our engagements with the customer so i'm excited that program unix bespoke programs like this directly respond to the cha- to to this challenge how can our customers be successful how can they get value how can they adopt the technology all of these amazing things that are happening in our program every day we're able to influence and I'm really proud of that. Boom. 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 That's, Boom. Uh, I love it. <laughs> I love it. Thanks. No, I... That's, that's amazing. And uh, Imogen, this is, this has been a really awesome conversation. I think this is an area that there is, especially the UBC space is an area that there's not a lot of information about it. There are not a lot of people who are doing it, especially in our region. And I think there is going to be so much value um, from this conversation and a lot of our listeners. I, I've learned a lot of things and I, I'm, I'm pretty sure a lot of our listeners are going to take away a lot of insights as well. So thank you so much for coming on the podcast and for your time. Oh, look, thank you so much for having me. And yeah, like I said, I'd love to have a conversation with anyone or any marketer out there who is looking to, to introduce this program to their, to their organization and I'll help where I can. 
We'll put the link in the comment in the um, in the show notes and uh, and and make sure that's there. Thank you so much, Mojin. Thank you so much, Ian. Today's episode of Growth Colony was produced by Alexander Hipwell and Liza Maywald. It was edited by Dave Semedo with additional editing by Liza Maywald and music arrangement by Alexander and Liza. Special thanks to Tina Wabe. We couldn't make the show without you. Growth Colony is hosted by Shaheen Hoda, Director of Growth at Xgrowth. If you enjoy the podcast, please subscribe and give us a rating on Spotify or Apple Podcasts. Do you think you'd be a great guest or just keen for a chat? Send through an email at podcast at xgrowth.com.au. That's podcast at xgrowth.com.au. That's all for now. We'll catch you next week right here on Growth Colony.